Listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. We live in the age of buttons, where a single button can order us a takeaway or signal the beginning of a nuclear war. At a time when the fabric of our society is ever changing and ever tearing, where nations are remodeled overnight and billions of dollars are lost in an instant we are no doubt standing at a pit of uncertainty. With global suicide rates ever increasing and the threat of a third world war ever looming, our eyes strain for a solution to this epidemic of unrest. But one voice has spoken out in the darkness, addressing the global public and leaders of the world time and time again. A voice of reason, logic and the overwhelming power of truth. This voice, a beacon of light, exists in the visionary of this age. His Holiness Hazrat Mirza Masrur Ahmed, Caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, the global spiritual leader and guide for tens of millions of Muslims around the world. If we are to leave behind a legacy of hope for our children and bequeath a peaceful world to our future generations, we, respective of our religion, or beliefs need to urgently change our priorities. Instead of being consumed by materialism and a desire for power, every nation, whether rich or poor, must prioritize the peace and security of the entire world above all else. Instead of embarking on an arms race leading to death and destruction, we must join the race to save and protect humanity. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Peace be upon you all. Welcome to the Drive Time Show. We are now currently live. The number to call in if you have anything to share with us is 0208-687878. Isn't that right, Imran? Yeah, absolutely. Um, in the name of Allah, the most gracious, ever merciful. Um, so, yeah, uh, I think we're going to um, discuss about very... A very interesting topic for for the next coming two hours. Uh, the first topic is going to be the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Love for Allah the Almighty. Right. And how did he achieve? And in the second hour, we're going to talk about the uh, the rights. How Islam described the rights of your fellow human being, whether it's mm. your rights of God Almighty. Mm-hmm. So, in, but before we discuss that, very uh-huh. important question coming your way. Uh huh. You're currently dressed in a shirt and a jumper. Okay. And the weather is extremely unpredictable. Uh-huh. And I don't see a jacket. I have a jacket. Where is it? <laughs> it's on, on, the, on my other chair. So. On the I chair? Did, How did. many chairs do you have? <laughs> it's in just behind you. Yeah. Oh, right. There you yeah, go. Yeah. Imran's a big guy. <laughs> of it. He's got an extra chair for himself. But yeah, I was just wondering because mm-hmm. like, the weather's so random mm-hmm. that you don't even know exactly how to dress. Yeah. So definitely. you're just like, do I wear like a really thick jacket mm-hmm. and end up like regretting it the whole day because mm-hmm. it's going to suddenly just become warm for no reason? Yeah. Or do I just wear something normal and then it starts pouring rain <laughs> it's extremely windy as well oh yeah, yeah extreme... you know what actually that's not even that, that is actually so true mm-hmm. it's so windy mm-hmm. like obviously you can hear it like when mm-hmm. I was in the office when I was before mm-hmm. and you can just hear like the roof 
just somehow just holding yourself down. <laughs> but the, the funniest thing is, and I find this quite hilarious as uh-huh. well, is that even myself and uh-huh. others, when you're on the road and you're uh-huh. like in a kind of a narrow walkway yeah. and the wind blows, everyone's yeah. just struggling for their life. <laughs> They're like, oh no, why did I wear baggy clothes today? <laughs> like, yeah, someone just looks like a parachute like, down the road. Like They've got their, you know, all their clothes sacking behind their back. Especially, so that's, yeah. yeah, that's kind of how it is right now, isn't it? Definitely. Especially if you're passing by a, so a huge building because, yeah. you know, then if you're in the corner, then you know there's sudden gush of the yeah, yeah exactly just can you know just blow you literally away. Yeah. like yeah anyway that, that's that's kind of for those of you who aren't used to London mm. welcome to London uh, mm-hmm. just be prepared for like every sort of weather possible mm. but yeah getting back to the point <laughs> the topic how was is, your how was your holidays like uh, this uh, like well, uh, have some couple of Christmas holidays and Boxing days. To be, honest, to be honest, I was at work. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. let's, let's be real here. Yeah, I don't know how, like, other, if, if there's other Muslims that are listening to this, uh-huh. I don't know. Yeah. Uh-huh. Or if there's other people that don't necessarily relate to Christmas in the same way that others might. Okay. I don't think that uh, for, for a large part, a lot mm-hmm. of Muslims may not celebrate Christmas mm-hmm, at all. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they may still relate to the winter season mm-hmm. that they might, you know, they think it's festive, whatever, mm-hmm. but they don't necessarily yeah. adhere to Christmas. So I've, I know a lot of people that will be like, yes, this is our time to get that extra overtime at work. We're going to go to work, get paid double just yeah. because we don't want to turn up. We don't want to stay home at Christmas. And I'm like, OK, there's a lot of people that take advantage of that as well. Mm. So yeah. if you ask most people mm-hmm. like, what you did for Christmas, there'll be those who say we spent it at home. Mm, yeah, and then those who are like, yeah, yeah. actually, we, we took advantage of it mm-hmm. and we went to work yeah. and we just got paid more for it. So win win situation, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I was just there like at home, I guess. But um. You, I do, don't, you do take advantage of, I think, yeah. kind of some of the commercial sales. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can go, I, I think, uh, I'm, ma- I'm mainly an online shopper though. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Okay. don't really see myself going too much to, mm-hmm. you know, outside doors before they open in the morning stores. Like, yeah, I'll <laughs> dry, let me in, let yeah, me in, please. I'm not like that kind yeah. of person. But yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. still it's still a good spirit to be around. Definitely, definitely. So, let's uh, come back to the uh, topic of uh, today's hour. Uh, so we're going to talk about Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon uh, love for Allah the Almighty. So the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was a man of love. He was a loving husband, a loving father, and a loving companion. He loved humanity, he loved animals, he loved the poor, the oppressed, and the marginalized. And throughout his life, he strove to restore their melancholy plight. But it is the love of Allah which dominated uh, his heart. So if if you love if you look towards the life of the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, through his every action, behind his every action and through his every action, he just wanted to show uh, that how much he loved Allah the Almighty and how much he wanted to uh, to act upon the commandments of Allah Taala. Through yeah, I, through that he yeah you know mm-hmm. sometimes it's very difficult to dis- I'm not talking about the Holy Prophet Muhammad peace be upon mm-hmm. him in general. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's very difficult to discern. Such mm-hmm. claims like this. Okay. For example, you claim about somebody, are they? They love. I love you so much. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about. Forget. Let's not talk about God even for a moment. Mm-hmm. To someone says to you, "I love you," uh-huh. it's a very easy statement to make. Definitely. Yeah. And sometimes it's, it, it, when someone says it, they might not be genuine as well. Mm-hmm. They might have other intentions, other motives behind why they want to befriend you, why they want to be close to you, or mm-hmm. why they want to give others the impression. That they love you. Mm-hmm. It could be so many ulterior motives. Mm-hmm. So how do you first even know that someone's made a claim? Mm-hmm. Are they even legit though? Uh-huh. Is it even actually reasonably true? Mm-hmm. Um, and and the same applies when you claim <coughs> to love Allah. Definitely. But how do you actually measure that? Mm-hmm. Because for most people, Allah is an unseen 
deity how do you measure someone's love towards it okay is it just physical worship for example is it going to be the case that the person who's in the mosque mm-hmm. the most amount of time the longest amount of time and cries the loudest in their prayers mm-hmm. is that the person mm-hmm. who has the most amount of love so mm-hmm. from islam we know mm-hmm. actually no not necessarily mm-hmm. because <clears throat> intentions outweigh actions definitely so you could be for the hadith of the Prophet وسلم, that which necessitates that a person who backbites, for example, mm-hmm. he could be doing a lot of good deeds, mm-hmm. like what we've just mentioned, you know, charity, worshipping. But he backbites, let's say, about you, Imran. Mm-hmm. Oh, Imran, <coughs> I don't like the way he presents on radio. <laughs> 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 just kidding. Mm-hmm. But necessarily, if someone does something like that and mm-hmm. is very ill-intended, mm-hmm. then the hadith narrates mm-hmm. that on the day of judgment, that person's good deeds will be taken away from them mm. and given to the person that they backbited mm. about. How powerful is, is that, for mm. example? Definitely. Then we have the story of that individual who, uh, when it was narrated once, that out of all the people that did the Hajj, only one person's Hajj was accepted that year. Mm. And the angels revealed this yeah. to an individual. Yeah. And it was revealed that the person whose Hajj was, and pilgrimage was accepted was the person who didn't even go to do the pilgrimage. He didn't even go. He wasn't even <laughs> yeah. able to make it. Yeah. So how was his pilgrimage accepted? It's because the money that he saved up for pilgrimage, he ended up spending it to feed very, very unfortunate people. Mm. And that's why his pilgrimage, which he didn't do, was accepted. And everybody else who actually went on a pilgrimage, necess- necessarily, according to this, least, it may have been mm. the case that they were doing it to show off or they had mm. other intentions. So it wasn't accepted. So mm. we know that just making a claim or just even showing through actions sometimes it doesn't necessitate or it doesn't really make it definite mm-hmm. that your claim is legitimate definitely yeah. but one way that you can do it is this because loving Allah isn't just about loving Allah Almighty mm. with that comes a lot more and that's actually a very difficult task and this is uh, I'll tell you how mm-hmm. because <clears throat> when you love Allah and this is a very uh, well known a statement of Hazrat Mirza Tahir Ahmed, mm-hmm. Allah. may Allah have mercy on him, who's the fourth caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. Uh, he, he basically, along the lines of this, said that you know, in order to love Allah, you must love his creation as well. Yeah. And this is a much easier said than done. Mm. Uh, and to put this into perspective, we can look at it this way, is that if you have a lot of love for somebody, you have a friend that you really, you know, you, you're he's your ride or die, or she's your ride or die, and you mm-hmm. take a bullet for that person, mm-hmm. let's say, mm-hmm. then you also automatically just have an unprofound love for their family as well. For their, If they have children, you're like, I'm going to be very, very kind and loving to them as well. Why though? Because directly, maybe you didn't have a relation to those people, mm-hmm. but it's because of that individual that you love them too. Mm-hmm. And you have a feeling of, uh, you know, affiliation with them. And the same applies to Allah. When you have, when you claim that you love Allah, if it's genuine, if it mm. really is genuine, then without any artificiality, mm. without any forcing it, you'd have a de- you should have a desire to love his creation as well. And those who affiliate themselves mm-hmm. as his creation and his people. Mm-hmm. And that's it. That's the bottom line. For yeah. example, if you have a brother or a sister, because you are, ascribe yourself as one family and you are the children of your parents Mm -hmm. you automatically intrinsically have this love for those people around you you have that Mm -hmm. you don't have to create that within you it's just there Mm. and it's very difficult to actually even you might have fights with your brothers and sisters you might even get you know disagreements whatever but you still have that underlying love there 
and that's natural and that's genuine. So with Allah, what Allah being is the creator, Allah is the creator, and everyone underneath is either part of this larger family that you associate and affiliate with, and you love them because just like you love the, the children of your parents mm-hmm. who are your siblings, you love Allah's creation because you are also part of that unit. Mm-hmm. And that is very hard to do mm-hmm. because for a person to love Allah, they must love the creation. Mm-hmm. And to love the creation, you have to really be able to put your self-vested interests and your and your own, let's say, emotions mm-hmm. to the side a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. So can you do that? Mm-hmm. And if you can actually do that, mm-hmm. You can genuinely love people and you can be generally so generous and kind to people. Perhaps you don't even need to make the claim that you love Allah. Hmm. Hmm. Perhaps you don't even need to do that. Because that is testimony to the fact that you love them for a much ulterior purpose. If you love someone despite the fact Mm -hmm. that you have political differences to them, you have familial differences to them, you have other agitations with them, Yet you show such profound mercy and forgiveness, which just doesn't make sense. Mm. Then something else is to at play. Mm-hmm. What is that? And this is where the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, must come in. Mm-hmm. Because something else has always been at play. Mm. He wasn't so kind and merciful, so loving, so forgiving <clears throat> to people for absolutely no reason. Even though perhaps an normal individual in those circumstances would have lost their temper, mm-hmm. would have lost their sanity. Uh, you know. So what on earth was that? Mm. And so rather than us trying to prove his love for Allah, we reverse engineered this idea. idea. Mm-hmm. And we said that there was no other option but to say that he had an ulterior motive, which was his love for Allah. Absolutely, absolutely beautiful. Um, I mean, if, if if we look towards the Holy Quran as well, uh, Allah the Almighty, bear witness of this statement, as you, as you mentioned, that Allah the Almighty says, inna salati wa nusuki wa mahiyaya wa maatirillahi rabbil I mean, that, O oh, Prophet, tell the people that uh, your your worship, your life, and your everything, your sacrifice, everything for the sake of God. So it is just, what have you said, I think this verse also uh, is claiming or, you know, uh, uh, basically saying that the Holy Prophet ﷺ, whatever he did, he did for the love of Allah the Almighty. But we also uh, find some allegation from the Christian community that, uh, God forbid, that uh, the Holy Prophet have some, uh, some kind of, uh, you know, ulterior motive or just to conquer the world, God mm. forbid. Um, but we do have some other people as well, uh, like Michael Hart. He said one of his uh, book that uh, 100 successful people oh, yeah. in the world, he said that... Uh, uh, I put the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, uh, the first person as who uh, who successful uh, was the most successful person in the world because uh, he was <coughs> sorry <coughs> he was a, he was able to uh, gain worldly success and also along with that he also uh, gained the religious success as well. He mm. he won the hearts of the people, uh, but yeah, definitely. As you mentioned that uh, when you look deeper towards the life of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, his marriages, his uh, his war, uh, whatever he did uh, in his life, it is actually for the love of God. I, I, can, I can tell you this, mm. something very difficult. I want anybody who's, <clears throat> what I'm about to say, mm-hmm. people just listen to this because this is going to be like, I don't know if you relate to this, but you mm-hmm. might. And here's what it is. Mm-hmm. Anybody listening right now, you claim to love your husband or your wife, mm-hmm. okay? Or if you're not married, mm-hmm. anyone in your family that you say that you have a, some love for them. How much do you actually love them? Let's put it to the test. Mm-hmm. Let's see right now. If you have a husband or wife, this will probably work the best in mm-hmm. terms of how I'm about to explain it. Mm-hmm. 
you find out that your husband or your wife or your partner, mm-hmm. someone's just raising an accusation about them, a mm-hmm. rumor mm-hmm. that they were cheating on you. Okay. Simple as that. Just think about it for a minute. Mm-hmm. What would run through your mind? Now, here's the issue. You don't have the facts. Mm. You don't even know if it's true. Yeah. It might be true. Mm. It might not be true. Mm-hmm. What's going through your mind? How are you going to react right now? Are you just going to go ballistic? Are you going to lose your mind? Are you going to end the relationship? Mm. Are you going to try and work things through? At the very least, how are you going to feel about it? Is it going to hurt? I think most <clears> people <throat> will be like, yeah, it's going to be like a pretty difficult time. Yeah. <clears throat> and you know what? Something like that happened to the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. Okay, okay. And it was actually mentioned in the Quran. Okay. One of his wives mm-hmm. was out in an open field. Mm. And someone made the accusation, and that accusation reached the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, mm. that it has been alleged mm. that your wife has been with another man. Mm. It's a very serious accusation. Definitely. Yeah. Now, like I said, put yourself in that situation. If you have a partner right now, mm. how would you feel right at that moment? Mm. Would you still be able to say, I love this individual. Mm. I have the same amount of love that I had from day one. The way, you know, the way that I romantically professed to them on day one. I will be with you forever. I'll be there by your side. Here's a ring. Here's some roses. Here's chocolate. Mm-hmm. Let's go to Paris. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> yeah, whatever floats you. But are you still on that level? Mm. <clears throat> because I can imagine that this would be very difficult to do. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I bring this up is, is in today's world, Love is seen as some intrinsic thing. Yeah. That if I love a person, it's just there forever. Whereas in Islam, like I've already said, that true love isn't like that. It's mm. not just there because you like that person. Mm. Such a love that can actually very easily break. Just because mm. you like someone, just because you adore them, you like their personality. Mm. That kind of love, uh, we feel, is not eternal. Mm. But the kind of love that really can hold to the test mm-hmm. is that which is because of Allah. You love that Beautiful. person because they love Allah Beautiful. Mm. I love you because you are a creation of Allah mm-hmm. and that's why I love you mm. now let's put that to the test and now we can see is the my claim of love such love as well or not mm-hmm. and we see that yes this allegation was made mm-hmm. and the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam he didn't come in and be like get out of here I'm divorcing you forever mm-hmm. you know all of that mm-hmm. he was just patient mm. didn't say anything and you know what at that time there were people who were adding fuel to the fire every yeah. single day yeah. <coughs> oh yeah, you know what? So I saw this. Oh no, no, you know what? I saw this. I heard this, mm-hmm. and all of these things are being echoed in in the town. And you know how things—it's it, mm-hmm. very difficult. It's—it's it's one thing to to hear about this, mm-hmm. where it, only maybe you know about it. Mm-hmm. It's even worse if the whole town knows about it or the whole city knows about it. Yeah. Imagine, imagine that. Yeah. Okay, imagine mm-hmm. your colleagues every day. Mm-hmm. Someone's telling you, "Where? What are you doing? Mm-hmm. Like, are you gonna let this happen to you? Are you gonna? Are you gonna be like that? Are you mm-hmm. gonna mm-hmm. be taken or like?" advantage of mm. then you've got other people saying oh, I don't know man maybe you should give it some time you've got just too many voices in your head mm-hmm. <clears throat> the Prophet wasallam, like I said was not was a person who mm. loved people because he loved Allah mm. so his decision on this situation was not going to be taken until he was told something by Allah mm-hmm. so he waited he didn't kick anybody out he did nothing and then the verses were revealed Mm. which we now know as the verses around ifk, mm. the verses about the manifest lie. Mm. The verses are, why is it that when the believers, who are the general populace in the city, heard about this manifest lie, they did not think well of their brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. And mm. it clarified the fact that this allegation against 
the prior for the Prophet وسلم, was completely false. Mm-hmm. Now, here's one thing I want you to think about. Mm-hmm. There's another another bit in this. Mm-hmm. After this, Prophet Sallallahu obviously mm-hmm. completely took that because that's how much love he had for Allah. He had trust in his word that this is it. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to... My love for this woman isn't going to change. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to give in to anyone's rumors. I don't care what anyone thinks. I don't care what anyone says. They can mm-hmm. carry on saying it for the rest of eternity. I'm here. Mm-hmm. But what's more important than this? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> that's one side of it. There are those people who will say, well... The Prophet Muhammad, peace be on him, he just used to make up revelations. That's yeah. he wasn't a prophet. He just make up revelations, right? Mm. Just mm. go along. And anything that was advantageous to him at that time, all of a sudden it was just ironically revealed to him. Mm. If he wanted this, it was revealed to him. If he wanted that, well, it's revealed to him. <laughs> what yeah. about this situation? Yeah. This is a situation where if, if God forbid he was a liar, mm-hmm. if God forbid he wasn't truthful, if God forbid he wasn't from Allah, then how on earth... Would fabricating a verse that his wife didn't cheat be beneficial to him? Yeah. Because of anything, if this person was a normal human being, they'd be mm. so angry and mm. so upset and so broken mm. that they would want a verse revealing the fact that, yeah, this person's betrayed me, they've mm. given up on me, get out. Mm. They wouldn't claim it on God's heart, on, mm. their, on their own heart, that mm. I know by God's wisdom that I can trust this individual. Would mm. you do it? If you're listening right now, would you do it? Mm-hmm. Would you say to yourself, oh, someone's cheated on me, let me just tell the whole world that God's told me that they didn't. And just you're going to be happy about that for the rest of your life, all the while still knowing in your heart that it might have happened. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's ridiculous. Yikes. So this story for me tells me two things. That individual really loved Allah. Definitely. Because if they didn't, they wouldn't have waited for Allah's decision and they wouldn't have trusted it so much. And it, and despite all of that, you never saw the Holy Prophet Wasallam diminish in their love for that person ever. And that person was Hazrat Aisha radiallahu anha. Mm-hmm. In fact, the one wife after Hazrat Khadija radiallahu anha, which he mentioned the most. <laughs> okay, definitely. Yeah. So, so, just yeah, think about it from mm, that perspective. Beautiful. As well. um, you know, when we look towards the um, first revelation, when it came to the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, I was reading another day of the writing of the Promised Messiah, wasalam, peace, be, peace be upon him. And he was saying that when the revelation came to him uh, and when Angel Gabriel uh, reveal him that you know uh, you're going to be um, a savior of the world for, for the world and then at that moment he realized he find god but then um, he wanted to convey he wanted to build the same connection which he has for his creator which he has uh, uh, to allah the almighty he wanted to know people that you can have the same connection you can have the same uh, you know uh, relationship with your creator but then he did not find those faculties in, in the people that they can have this kind of relationship. And then the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, explained that uh, he cried. He cried for 13 years in, in, the, in, in Makki, you know, in, uh, in the life of Makkah. And so much so that Allah the Almighty revealed that that you will, uh, you know, put your life into, into danger because they do not believe. So that was his love for Allah the Almighty and that that's how he wanted to convey to other people that you can have the same that's relationship right. with God the Almighty these are the small telling tales mm-hmm. and it's the small things that you have to look out for mm-hmm. uh, right now it's a very conflict high season right mm-hmm. now all around the world I wouldn't even use that word but still mm-hmm. you understand mm-hmm. so in the Basil of Badr which you just mentioned yeah. you know when someone goes to war there again mm-hmm. can be so many different reasons Mm. behind why someone would go to war. Mm. Some of them are right. 
Some of them are wrong. Mm. You have people who are genocidal. You have people who are doing it for their own expand, uh, their expand, uh, you know, emancipation. Mm. There are those who are doing it for their freedom. There are those who are doing it to pillage. So many rights and wrongs. Mm -hmm. But none of them tally to this. Mm. Where you have the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, the night before Badr, yep. and he's praying to God. Mm. And he's giving God a reason. He's asking God. And he's, he's basically imploring before God. Mm -hmm. God, here is my reason mm. why you should help us in this battle. Mm. And his reason wasn't so that we can be free. His yeah. reason wasn't necessarily only because, oh Allah, we want justice. Oh Allah, I want, I feel sorry for everyone. Oh Allah, I want to see my enemies suffer. Mm. Oh Allah, I hate these opponents. Destroy them. Mm. You know, it wasn't even that. So it wasn't his anger speaking. It wasn't largely only his mercy speaking. What was it that was speaking? Mm. What he said on that prayer mat was one thing. Oh Allah, if we lose tomorrow mm. in this battle, meaning the Muslims, and we all die, then there will never ever be a people after this who will worship you, O oh mm. Allah. Mm. This is my reason yeah. for why we cannot lose tomorrow. Mm. Because if we lose tomorrow, mm. then who will love Allah? Beautiful. Mm. It wasn't just about justice. Mm. It wasn't just about destroying the enemy. Yeah. In fact, these things weren't even mentioned at that moment. Mm -hmm. What mentioned at that moment is what prevailed truly in his heart. Yeah. Mm. And these, what, this is what I mean by the small telltale signs. Mm -hmm. That you look back and you say, oh, okay, this is what he was thinking at that time. Yeah, beautiful. Um, that reminds me of another incident from the life of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, that when he started preaching Islam, uh, the Meccans, uh, the disbeliever, they came to his uh, uncle, uh, Abu Talib, and they, you know, they tried to, uh, they tried to, um, come in that way that you know we are ready to give you the most beautiful woman yeah, in the Arabia yes, yes. and uh, we are we'll give you money as much as you want we'll give you everything but uh, you know um, leave that uh, leave you know you should stop conveying your message that there is one God and you should pray yeah um, and then that when that strategy didn't work they come to his uncle who was very you know close to the Holy Prophet peace and blessings yes. be upon him yes and then he threw through him they basically um, would say, um, you know, entice him. entice him or blackmail him that you know you should stop conveying this message. Yeah. And then when um, his uh, his uncle came to the Holy Prophet, uh, Holy Prophet's uncle came to the uh, came to him and said that you know these people came to me and said that you, uh, if you're not going uh, convince him that you should stop conveying the message of Allah, that they're going to disown me. So the answer was beautiful. The answer of the Holy Prophet is beautiful that, oh, oh my uncle, um, I have this message from Allah the Almighty. If they put uh, sun on my right hand and moon on my left hand, I will not stop. Take, uh, because this is a message, this is my purpose of my life. If you want to disown me, that go for it. When his uncle heard this message, he said, okay, uh, uh, my nephew, that your purpose is very high. And it um, doesn't matter if they disown me, please continue to spread your message. Powerful. So powerful, <laughs> indeed. <laughs> it is these moments in time <laughs> which are so much bigger than a word, you know, a claim from your tongue. <laughs> so much more powerful than even the religious perhaps practices that people do on a daily basis. <laughs> it's these times of absolute temptation and difficulty <laughs> where you can really see what a person's claim is made of. <laughs> and each and every single time, the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, 
always chose Allah. And speaking of, of this, these moments mm-hmm. where exactly how that feels when you choose Allah, I think we actually did a poll as well mm-hmm. uh, yeah. for the public. Mm-hmm. And we asked them exactly that when you have Allah on your side or when you feel like you have chosen Allah, what does that actually give you? What does that make you feel? What do people say? So, yeah, um, we have this poll. We asked the people that as long as I have Allah, I have uh, what? So people answer, Ibrahim answer everything. Um, uh, Salma answered nothing to worry about. Um, uh, Maham said everything. Um, Aisha said hope. And Maliha said everything I need. And Farzana said everything. Um, some other uh, person said peace. Alhamdulillah. So, uh, you know, definitely, um, if we have Allah the Almighty, then we have everything. I was reading uh, the book of the uh, the second caliph of Ahmadi Muslim community, Taluk Billah, how you can have a relationship with God Almighty. And in which he was saying that, uh, you know, many people come to me and say, um, you know, His Holiness, please pray for us that uh, uh, we don't have job. Pray for us that we have a job. Uh, some come and say, uh, His Holiness, we don't have any children. Please pray for us that we have uh, Allah Ta'ala, God Almighty, bless us with children. And some people come and say, um, we cannot afford our rent. So most people come and say about uh, about you know worldly things, materialistic, materialistic things. things. And His Holiness said that there are very few people who come and say that, uh, His Holiness, please, please pray for us that we have a true and living relationship with God Almighty. That's so powerful. And, and he said that, if we look carefully, if we have a relationship with God Almighty, then we have everything. Because if in world, if if we look towards world, if we have a very good friend, then you know, uh, if we explain any difficulty in front of him, he is ready to you know sort out things for you. That's so similarly, right. if you have a very good friendship, very good relationship with God Almighty, then you have everything. So I think that reminds me of that. Right? You're it's absolutely an, right. Mm-hmm. In fact, we also have a very uh, on the poll, there was another individual. You almost mentioned that I have the confidence mm-hmm. I can navigate properly. This forever challenging, tempting, <clears throat> difficult man's unjust, materialistic world with his guidance. Mm-hmm. I think basically, in a nutshell, the common theme in all of these messages mm-hmm. is that when you love Allah, mm-hmm. he gives it back. Yeah, He gives it back through strength, mm-hmm. through power, mm-hmm. through this sort of invisible determination mm. to carry on yeah um and that's what Allah is to a lot of people mm. so i can imagine that, you know this is why a lot of people would hold on to him daily uh the holy prophet muhammad peace be upon him like we which is the topic of the show of course mm-hmm. is a person who was an embodiment of that love mm. uh so much so that the quran actually almost tries to in a metaphoric way, mm-hmm. try and put it down on a canvas for us, mm-hmm. where it says that the the Allah and the Prophet Muhammad peace be upon him were like two ends of a bow. Okay. And that then what happened is that their love was so powerful that they basically met in the middle, mm-hmm. and then they were so close to each other, like the two strings of a bow is, or even closer than that. Mm-hmm. And of course, this is not literal literal text, mm-hmm. but this is how close. Mm-hmm. The Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, had reached to Allah through his love for him. Definitely. Uh, that reminds me another verse of the Holy Quran in which Allah the Almighty says that, uh, you know, if you want my love, then you should follow the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. He said, قُلْ إِن كُنْتُمْ تُحِبُّونَ اللَّهَ فَاتَّبِيُونِ يُحْبِبْكُمُ اللَّهَ وَيَغْفِرْ لَكُمْ زُنُوبَكُمْ 
Wallahu ghafurur rahim that say if you love Allah follow me then will Allah love you and forgive you your sin and Allah is most forgiving and merciful it's it's tough like we said we've, we've got the example of the Prophet Muhammad peace be upon him who said he loves Allah hmm. that requires you to love his creation yeah so then when when people who had killed his daughter hmm. his his cousin you know his uncle hmm. and uh, others who had killed other muslims in battle hmm. were presented before the prophet muhammad peace be upon him hmm. hey you're not the governor hmm. if you want to off with their head hmm. if you want to exile them hmm. if you want to chuck them in a prison do whatever you want as a sumayya who's a muslim hmm. one of the first muslims the way they killed her is they tied two camels to each end of her body hmm. or i don't know which animal maybe it was camels hmm. and then made them run in opposite directions tearing hmm. her enough hmm. uh, the prophet muhammad peace be upon him to avenge it hmm. could have done the same thing hmm. what did he do hmm. there is no punishment upon anyone today hmm. he forgave everyone yeah even the people that killed his own daughter Hmm. And those who did so much more. Hmm. Why? How? Hmm. Where do you get that energy from? Hmm. There's something that is allowing you to forgive someone who you loved so much. So clearly, the only thing allowing you to forgive something like that is something that you love even more than that. Hmm. Even more than your daughter, even more than your family. So what is that? And that's why the Prophet Muhammad peace be upon him actually testified through time and time again mm. through his examples. Here I am. I love Allah. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, when we talk about the uh, conquest of Makkah, you know, that's uh, a huge, um, uh, a, a most important, one of the most important, um, you know, incident which took uh, place in the Islamic history. So when the Holy Prophet peace and of Allah be upon him conquered Makkah, he could have done anything you know he he can avenge his uh, his companion his beloved companion he can avenge his uncle uh, he can you know uh, gather all of the wealth of makkan people he can you know kill every every uh, enemy of him but but he chose to do something else so when he enter in the makkah the first thing he he did is he asked uh, hazrat bilal radiyallahu ta'ala anhu um, that call azan call for prayer and then he you know uh, got on the on the roof of the kaaba and then he called for prayer and then he went inside the kaaba and destroyed the all of the idols and then after restoring it to its original you know place which was the uh, to to, uh, to worship one and only god he did uh, you know two rakat of prayer at that time so he did wow. not do anything he could have done anything you know but he chose to to restore Khanakaba Makkah uh, and also he just worship his creator let me you know you just reminded me of a story mm-hmm. and i think although this isn't exactly on the topic mm-hmm. it, it still needs to be said mm-hmm. now this is this is almost around 8th century by the way so this is not from the time of the prophet muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam there was once uh, an imam who had a dream mm-hmm. that so and so a a cobbler who lives in so and so town mm-hmm. go and tell him that he is the neighbor of prophet muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam in jannah mm-hmm. the imam woke up from his dream he's like that's a random dream <laughs> just ignored it <laughs> went by his day <laughs> next night 
same dream again occurred to him. Mm-hmm. Tell this man that he is the neighbor of Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam in Jannah. Okay. He woke up again. He's like, I'm going nuts, and again he ignored it. Mm-hmm. Third night, the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam comes to him in the dream himself. Tell him that he is my neighbor in Jannah. Mm-hmm. The Imam woke up, and he was an, being an Imam. He knew uh-huh. that. The Prophet ﷺ cannot be personic, you know, personified mm. in a dream. No one can fake yeah. being the Prophet in a dream. Mm-hmm. So he knew that this was a genuine dream. Mm-hmm. Therefore, he went up and he got up and he went to find this person mm-hmm. who this dream was about. Mm-hmm. And when he found him, he found this person there. Very old man. Nothing of value really. Nobody even knew really who he was. And he's shocked. Mm. And the Imam says to him, "Oh person, I have a question for you. I am mm-hmm. an Imam. Mm-hmm. I lead the prayers. Yeah. I give the sermons. Mm-hmm. I've read all the books. Mm-hmm. How is it that you are the one <laughs> that is the neighbor of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam in Jannah? Jannah yeah. Of course, he was envious of this. How mm-hmm. is it that my whole life I've been doing all of these rituals and everything and all of that?" Mm-hmm. And this random person is somehow surpassed me. Mm-hmm. And that individual, very quiet, reluctantly said to him, "Okay, well, I don't really know why you're asking me because, no, I'll tell you what it is. It was this: I married a lady, uh-huh. very young lady, mm-hmm. and on our wedding night, she started crying. Mm-hmm. She's very emotional, <clears throat> and I asked her what's wrong, mm-hmm. and she said." <coughs> you know, she admitted that she had made a really, really bad mistake. Okay. And the mistake was this: mm-hmm. that she was actually expecting a child from a previous relationship mm-hmm. outside of wedlock. Okay. You know, but in 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 today's term, we we would in Islamic term, you would call this something which is impermissible. Yeah. To do so. Mm-hmm. So, now that person had a choice. That man had a choice. This was their first night. He'd be like, "Yeah, you lied to me." <laughs> <laughs> Betrayal. Mm-hmm. What? What is this? Red flag. Mm-hmm. I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And or mm-hmm. he, he could have done something else. Mm-hmm. And what did he do? So the lady's saying, "Look, this is what I've done, and I fear Allah that what will happen to this child if if there is no father, okay. and what would what would people think mm-hmm. uh, if they find out about my child? What will be the child's future? Mm-hmm. Nobody's going to have any respect for the child, let alone me. Mm-hmm. So at this moment in time." That man made a decision, mm-hmm. and his decision was, "I will love this woman and his, and the child for the sake of Allah alone, just for the sake of Allah. Mm-hmm. I will protect them." Mm-hmm. He said to the woman, "I swear by Allah, mm-hmm. I will never reveal your secret to Allah." This mm-hmm. is it, mm-hmm. and he went, and he went to the mosque the next day mm-hmm. with a newborn child. Mm-hmm. And he sat in the middle of the mosque, mm-hmm. and and he prayed to Allah. He said one thing: Ya Allah, mm-hmm. I'm about to do this. Mm-hmm. I had no such intention to do it, mm-hmm. except for one thing: mm-hmm. I would do this on the condition that in Jannah you make me the neighbor of Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. He prayed this, and he put the child in the back of the mosque. Mm-hmm. The the congregational prayer started, mm-hmm. and after prayer he gets up, and everybody looks back and they see a child there. 
And they go, what? Mm-hmm. Why? What's a child doing here? It's Fajr prayer. Mm-hmm. Child all by itself in the middle of a mosque. Mm-hmm. Now this individual gets up and he goes, Ya Allah, mm-hmm. it's a yatim child. It's child by itself. Mm-hmm. My wife has always wanted to have a child. Okay. I will take care of this child. I will take but this child and I will take it home. Mm-hmm. And everybody said, okay. Mm-hmm. And they agreed and they let them take care of the child. Mm-hmm. And of course it was her child. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then he told the man, yes. So you've come today with this dream that I am the neighbor of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in Jannah. Alhamdulillah, my prayer has been accepted and this is what I did. Beautiful. Yeah. So, we all know he obviously prayed anyway because mm-hmm. he went to Fajr that day. Mm-hmm. So he, it's not like he wasn't doing those things anyway. <laughs> yeah. But in addition to that, mm-hmm. he did something extremely difficult. Mm-hmm. What did he do? He had mercy. Mm-hmm. He had love. He had affection. He had forgiveness inside him. Mm-hmm. So, this is what it takes. Yeah. Really, this is what it takes. A soft heart, a kind heart, alongside the practices that we already perform. Mm-hmm. It, your worship should not make your heart harder. Mm-hmm. Your worship should not make your soul beyond other people in a way that you look down on them. Mm-hmm. It should do the opposite. Yeah. And this incident right here proves that fact. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, this is, I think, a very powerful way to see how can we really love Allah? Hmm. It's the difficult times. Yeah, they feel. I, I mean, you, you totally explained the point that you know, uh, you cannot just love Allah and ignore the, His creation. You have to love both, and uh, that's also uh, there's a, a hadith I could see, which is you know, um, uh, the, the saying of the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him that Allah the Almighty says that I can forgive my rights, but I will not forgive the rights of my creation. So this is this is how much important that if you want to acquire or if you want to have a, a, a everlasting relationship with God Almighty, then you have to you have to have the good relationship with His creation as well. And when another point which comes to my mind is that when we look towards the life of the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, before everything he used to make uh, dua supplication. So even before he's eating, he say Bismillah in the name in the name of Allah. Before entering the home, um, before going to the you know toilet, before mounting on his uh, on his camel, so he used to pray it before you know before doing anything, which is good, and that also shows that how much he wants to you know uh, he wants to um, uh, he wants to do everything for the sake of Allah the Almighty, and one of the his most famous prayer. I just wanted to narrate here is uh, he said that um, he used to often pray this uh, he used to often make this dua the prayer he said oh Allah grant me thy love and the love of those who love thee and the love of those deeds which enable me to attain thy love oh Allah make thy love dearer to me than my life my family and dearer to me than cold refreshing water to a man dying of thirst so that's also shows that how much he he loved Allah the Almighty and before everything he used to remember his creator. And look what dua he made. Uh, you know, in desert situation, um, one month ago I went to Dubai and in December uh, the temperature there was around 30 degree. And I was, surprising, I was surprised that how can people live uh, there in June and, you know, in, in the month of June and July. So uh, he said that, uh, you know, O Allah, make your love dearer to me than cold, refreshing water to a man dying of thirst. So that's how 
you know, uh, you can only, you know, realize the the importance of water in in the desert. And the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah exactly. be upon him, said that, O Allah, make dearer your love than uh, as compared to coal uh, water, which one needs in, in the most need in in the, in the desert. This is really, really powerful. Again, mm. this is not something that's easily attested to mm-hmm. just by, you know, you can make the claim, but do you actually, do you actually live by it? Mm-hmm. And we, we can see that it's not just the Prophet mm-hmm. but also his followers mm-hmm. that try to live up to this. Yeah. Uh, in the time of Sultan Murad, there was actually an individual who was, of course, a Muslim. Mm-hmm. He passed away on the street in front of everyone. Okay. Old man. Mm-hmm. And no one cared at all. Mm-hmm. Everybody, uh, someone stepping over him, someone pushing him to say, get out of my way. Mm-hmm. And Sultan Murad, who was a ruler at that time, found mm-hmm. this really bizarre. Mm-hmm. How is it that someone just passed away on the street mm-hmm. and no one cares? Everyone's like oblivious. Yeah, okay, you might expect that in 21st century London. <laughs> <laughs> but what is going on for Sultan Murad? This was not normal. Mm-hmm. So he comes out onto the street and he asks the people, why are you neglecting a dead body? Mm-hmm. And the people responded, oh, this, this guy is just a drunkard. Mm-hmm. He's just always drunk. Mm-hmm. On the streets, carrying alcohol. This is all we used to see. Mm-hmm. We always saw this guy with lots of big barrels of alcohol. This is all we know of him. Mm-hmm. So why should we care? Mm-hmm. For what we know, he, he's far away from God. Doesn't need a burial. Mm-hmm. And uh, Sultan Murad had this, like, oh, this is quite upsetting news. But he was a, 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 a conscious individual. Mm-hmm. And what he did is he, with his guards, picked up the body and found out where this person lived and took it to the house. Mm-hmm. And there, when they arrived, there was just only one person who belonged to his family, and that was his wife. And she mm-hmm. was waiting there, and she, she was told by Sultan Murad that unfortunately your husband's passed away. Uh, but this is what people have been saying about him, mm-hmm. that he's a drunkard. Mm-hmm. And you know what her response was? Mm-hmm. I knew people would say this about him. Mm-hmm. And, and she actually smiled. Mm-hmm. And he was very, very surprised. Why, why on earth would she not be really disgusted by this? I see. Mm-hmm. She said, listen, this is what it was. My husband mm-hmm. used to go to places and extract and purchase all of the alcohol that he possibly could. Mm-hmm. And then he would go to the nearest drain and empty all of it there. Okay. And he would say to he would come every single day and he would say, Ya Allah, I've saved at least one person's life. Mm-hmm. And this would be his daily routine. Mm-hmm. And it would be what he would, he for him, that was his one mode of worship, mm-hmm. saving people from doing that. Okay. And he had absolutely no care in the world that it may lay harm to his reputation. Mm-hmm. That was him. Now that's his personal thing that he had with Allah. And he passed away in that happiness. Mm-hmm. And wow. I mean, we are in no position and nobody is ever in a position to say, oh, he shouldn't have done that. Mm-hmm. He should have done that. But what he did, he chose to do. Mm-hmm. And he, he understood it right. He, what he did, didn't do it to please people. Uh-huh. He didn't do it for his reputation or that well, people would be like, wow, what a good guy. What a superhero. Let's put him on the front page of the news. Nothing mm-hmm. like that. In fact, he put himself in harm's way to mm-hmm. the point where no one even wanted to bury him. Mm-hmm. Yet what he did, he did it for Allah. And that paved the way for his ultimate righteousness. And we can see that there are going to be people who will stand up and say, well, he shouldn't have been doing that. Mm-hmm. But the, I'll give you an example why we shouldn't be like that. Mm-hmm. There was actually a prophet of Allah who walked by a person 
who was uh, cutting or shaving off the, the wool of, of a sheep. Okay. And as he was doing it, he was saying, Oh God, oh Allah, mm-hmm. if you were a sheep, I'd cut your hair like this. Mm-hmm. And I'd comb you like this. Mm-hmm. And I'd bathe you like this. And the Prophet walking by going, that's, not, that's no way to talk about God. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. no way to talk about Allah. How, how blasphemous is that? Mm-hmm. And Allah revealed to the Prophet directly, how dare you? Mm. Stop an individual who is loving me. Mm. So people have different ways of showing their love yep. Yep. and their affection for Allah. Mm. As long as it's genuine, that's all that counts. Yep. And that's where you get these people who will, mm. when they do it for Allah, they're doing it in a way. No one's watching them. They don't care about what any anyone else thinks. Mm. They might be called a madman. They might be called a drunkard. They might be called evil. They might be called a clown. They might be called a magician. And that just actually fulfills them even more because they know that they're doing it for Allah and nothing else. Beautiful. We are talking here about the love of Allah and how you can, you know, have a connection and how the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, able to connect with his creator. Uh, that uh, just comes, uh, one hadith is, is coming into my mind is Hazrat Mughira bin Shubha, one companion of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, uh, once um, he said that um, I saw the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him that he he stood in in the prayer so long that his uh, his you know feet were swollen and uh, he used to cry uh, during his prayer as uh, as you know uh, something is boiling on, on the stove and he said to the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him that O Prophet God Almighty you're innocent you didn't make any voice you know you're, you didn't commit any sin then why you're so much you know praying to God Almighty that Allah Ta'ala has already forgiven you everything and the the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him replied beautifully he said that shouldn't be I grateful servant to my Lord so he used to worship to God Almighty he used to uh, he used to worship God Almighty without without his uh, without any you know motive. He used to love Allah the Almighty because he he is the you know uh, servant of Allah right. the Almighty, and he just wanted to this, be grateful. This is another point: when you say you love Allah, mm-hmm. is it because you want to pass your exams? Yeah. <laughs> is it because you need that promotion? Mm-hmm. Is it something even more childish than that? Let's say mm-hmm. uh, it could be less childish than that. Is it because for the past two years, you've been looking for uh, someone to fall in love with and you want to get married. Mm-hmm. For that whole like period of life, you just become this like spiritually devout person. Yeah. And then the moment you get your bride, you're out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are you that person? Yeah. Or the moment you get a man even. Mm. So, is, it, is your love for Allah artificially induced? Mm. If it is, th- then that's not true love for Allah. If you are at a time where, you know, as the Sufis would put it, the mm. Sufis who are a type of Muslims who would love to indulge themselves in sort of solita- solidari- hmm. soli- solitaire kind of movement. And mm-hmm. uh, they would say that, you know, we would love, we, we actually enjoy um, when Allah puts trials upon us hmm. because it brings us closer to Allah. Hmm. And w- that's a fact. Hmm. And they say to the point that when, when things get easy and when, when uh, there isn't that much hardship in your life, you tend to forget about God. Hmm. You know, you don't, why, why, should, why do you need Him? So it should never be the case and also, similarly, we should never be too upset mm-hmm. when trials do come our way. They're just opportunities to increase in the love for Allah. 
Yeah, you're talking about trials. What, what you know, uh, when the Holy Prophet Sallallahu uh, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, son died, uh, Ibrahim, when he died, and uh, you know, um, the Holy Prophet, uh, peace and blessings of Allah be, he he cried, and uh, uh, he said that uh, yet we see not, we will say not anything that would offend our Lord Ibrahim. Uh, we grieve solely thy parting to Allah. We belong, and to Him shall we return. So on on that day when his his son passed away, Ibrahim alayhi salam, uh, the the uh, lunar a solar eclipse happened, and somebody uh, you know from, from the people he said that it happened because the you know, Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him died. Uh, Holy Prophet's son uh, died, it, and that is uh, because because of it the lunar eclipse happened. The Holy Prophet sallallahu peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, he said no, uh, an eclipse of the sun occurred. Uh, you know, he said no. Uh, it it happened. Uh, you know, uh, because of the law of the nature, it did not happen um, because my son is died. So he stopped people uh, to associate anything uh, with with uh, you know uh, with Allah the Almighty, and that day he gives the message that you know uh, doesn't matter how how uh, beloved I am of Allah the Almighty but you should not you know associate anything uh, uh, with Allah the Almighty this is this is exactly mm-hmm. it so our claim to love Allah is is a claim mm-hmm. to hold fast to it is a challenge mm-hmm. and only when we are able to do that mm-hmm. can we then say or even think about being in a position where we say, not only do we love Allah, but Allah will love us back as well. Mm-hmm. So it's not like this that, you know, you go through one trial in your life and you prayed and perhaps things didn't work out the way you wanted and you mm-hmm. just give up. And you'll be like, yeah, well, God didn't help me out. <laughs> Where was he then? Mm-hmm. It, this is something that's a, a full-blown journey. Mm-hmm. It's not easy. And it's, it, and, and of course, anything that's worth, that's worth its weight, any prize that's worth its weight isn't going to be easy. Mm-hmm. So when we come to talk about the ultimate objective of life, which is to to find our purpose and really attach ourselves to something everlasting and eternal, which we know to be Allah, how on earth is that going to be easy? Mm-hmm. It's going to be spiked with challenges, spiked with booby traps. Yeah. Just don't fall into them. Mm-hmm. And it's easier said, than, easier said than done. So it's really, like I said from the very beginning, very hard to actually hold fast to a claim such as this. Yeah. So... For those of us who have been going, like, listening to this, I think the, for me what it is, the takeaway point is really we must always try to stop sometimes and look at ourselves. And not only should we look at what we're doing, I mean, how, have I become inconsistent in something? Am I lazy? But also look at, even if we haven't become inconsistent, why are we doing it? Hmm. Hmm. Have we become so consistent in something because it's expected of us by the people around us. Is mm. that why I'm doing it? Because if I don't pray today, my parents will say something or my, whoever. Uh, you know, is it because of that that I'm, I'm consistent? Am I crying in my prayer only because I need something? Mm. Or am I crying because I love Allah? Am I turning up on the prayer mat because I want Allah? Or am I turning up at the prayer mat because I want material things? Mm. Or I want a partner or something like that? Mm. And we must constantly gorge this, engage this. What is our motive? And when you really calculate it like this, mm-hmm. perhaps we'll realize how much we are actually doing. Definitely. Uh, as the first hadith of the Bukhari is that deeds are judged by its motive. It's, it's very important 
that whatever we are doing, uh, so we should, our motive should be uh, to please Allah the Almighty and not to show off to anyone or to just get some worldly things. And uh, if uh, someone wants to develop uh, the love of Allah the Almighty, then Allah the Almighty already said in the Holy Quran, if you want my love, then follow the footstep of the Holy Prophet And that's what the companion did. And regarding the companion, Allah the Almighty says, that God was pleased with them and they were pleased with God. So uh, in this show, just we want to say quickly that how the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, acquired his love and how we uh, can follow or we can you know, um, attain our love uh, to Allah the Almighty through uh, following the footsteps of the Holy Prophet. Absolutely. And for those of you who are Muslim, in fact, this is not something which Allah has made exclusive mm-hmm. for just Muslims to do. Yeah. Anybody can do this. In fact, even Jesus, peace be upon him, once witnessed an old lady coming to give charity. Mm-hmm. And she just gave one sh- one small coin. Mm-hmm. And everybody laughed at her saying, uh, what is that? Mm-hmm. And Jesus turned around and said, she is the one who's made the true sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And uh, everybody wondering why. There's so many people that come in and give golds and heaps. And mm-hmm. what is it? Uh, Jesus, peace be upon him, responded by saying, that is a portion of what they have. Mm-hmm. This is all she had. Mm-hmm. And she still, she still gave it up. So really, hmm. it is about that, yeah. doing it from that perspective of things. May Allah enable us all to do that. We're now going to take a short break. We're we'll back after the news to discuss, Imran, what's exactly? We're going to talk about the rights given by Islam. By Islam. Too. Yeah. See you after the break. to the Voice of Islam Radio. My countrymen, a religion which does not inculcate universal compassion is no religion at all. Similarly, a human being without the faculty of compassion is no human at all. Our God has never discriminated between one people and another. This is illustrated by the fact that all potentials and capabilities which have been granted to the Aryans have also been granted to the races inhabiting Arabia, Persia, Syria, China, Japan, Europe, and America. The earth created by God provides a common floor for all people alike, and His sun and moon and many stars are a source of radiance and provide many other benefits to all alike. Likewise, all peoples benefit from the elements created by Him, such as air, water, fire, and earth, and similarly from other produce created by Him like grain, fruit, and healing agents, etc. These attributes of God teach us the lesson that we too should behave magnanimously and kindly towards our fellow human beings 
and should not be petty of heart and illiberal. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah and peace be upon you all. Welcome back to the Drive Time Show. We are live and the number to call in is 02086877878. Or you can tweet to us at Voice of Islam UK or drop us a DM on Instagram there as well. Uh, we have just spoken about the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him's love for Allah and sticking to the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him and what he gave and taught us and contributed to society. Now we are going to be talking and delving into with our expert guests that we're also going to be having on the show mm-hmm. about the rights Islam, that yeah. Islam gave mm-hmm. standard Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. Yeah, so uh, we're going to talk about the you know standard uh, bearer of universal right. Islam uh, talks about whether we... Uh, it uh, talks about the rights of the uh, friends, rights of uh, fellow human beings and rights of the enemies and... Uh, right of the sick and uh, right of the orphan. So we're going to talk about uh, these rights and uh, how Islam uh, make a difference in, in, in society. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, this is important, by the way, mm. because I think to even understand this, you need to understand the time that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like right now, for example, feminism's around. Yeah. So everybody's like, oh yeah, yeah, that's kind of okay. We understand why some people might choose to be a feminist. Mm-hmm. Um, 50, 60, 70 years ago when you had suffragettes and when you had those who were tackling apartheid and mm-hmm. those who were tackling racist regimes, those people understood it really well. Okay, we know why these activisms are around. Mm-hmm. We know why it's so important to people to fight for black people's rights, for example. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. they were living in that time yeah. and they were witnessing exactly what was happening mm-hmm. from you know, like things like segregation on a bus, mm-hmm. lynching on a tree. Mm-hmm. They knew it, they'd seen it, they understood it. Mm. Let's say someone's born 2,000 years from now. Mm. Would they, if they read in a book somewhere, mm. oh yeah, yeah, in the, in the 19th, 18th century, you know, they were, there was a really good time, they were fighting for rights. Mm-hmm. They'd be like, okay. <laughs> All right, so what? <laughs> they weren't there really to live it, understand it. Uh, they didn't understand its context. Mm-hmm. So, for that to be felt, you really need to understand why on earth fighting for any kind of rights mm-hmm. was even important yeah. in 6th century Arabia. Why? Mm-hmm. What was going on over there? What Was it, Was there a KKK there? <laughs> what, really? Was there some other racist, terroristic, mm-hmm. barbaric regime mm-hmm. that needed to be countered? Mm-hmm. And what did it take? What right. were they doing? Mm-hmm. Were they chaining themselves to fences? Were they having to do protests? Mm-hmm. What, was, what, what was it? The Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, actually had to do to get these rights. Beautiful. And then we'd understand mm-hmm. what we're talking about. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, I think uh, when Islam came, there was absolutely no rights for, for especially for women and uh, orphans and, you know, the lower society. Uh, I mean, uh, the people who don't have, you know, uh, anything. So Islam basically gave rights to everyone. His Holiness... Um, Hazrat Mizar Masur Ahmad, the fifth caliph of the Muslim community, states Islam has established the rights for various sections of society. We have firm faith that the Holy Quran's teaching is perfect and complete and that it offers solution to the challenges of every era. Without acting upon it, neither can the problems of the world be solved, nor can the rights of the various sections of society be established. More certainly, the rights of the various sections of society cannot be established until we believe that we have a creator and we fulfill the rights of that creator. So in today's show, we'll be discussing the various different rights and how 
uh, to implement them. So if we look towards the Holy Quran, Allah the Almighty states in chapter 49, verse 13 to 15, O ye who believe, let not let one let not one uh, people deride another people who may be better than they. No, let women deride another woman who may be better than they. And defame not your own people, nor call one another by nicknames. Bad indeed is evil reputation after the profession of belief. And those who repent are not are the wrongdoers. So when we talk about the rights of friend, um, His Holiness, Hazrat Mirza Masur Ahmed, has spoken at length about many human rights. And recently at the annual convention of Amelia Muslim community, he spoke about few sections uh, of society and the rights owed to them, which are less thought or spoken of. Uh, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, said, do not hate one another, do not be jealous of one another, do not backbite against one another, and O Allah's servant, become brothers to each other. It is not permissible for any Muslim to desert his brother for more than three days. Islam teaches that whenever a Muslim supplicates for his brother in his absence, an angel supplicates in his favor by saying, May Allah receive like the, like, uh, you know, may, in, the may, well, in the same way. So these are the rights of friends. Um, I mean, this is good. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> rights of friends, rights of women. <laughs> Rights of black people, mm. rights of white people, yep. rights of Arabs, rights of non-Arabs. Mm -hmm. Great. Mm. But you know what? Mm. Also, mm. rights of your enemy. Yep. Rights of the prisoner. Mm. Rights of a dog. Things that people might not necessarily at that time even have cared about. Mm. In fact, if I told you about the rights of your enemy, the right person might just slap me in the face. What are you talking mm. about? To hell with them. Mm -hmm. Prophet Muhammad peace be upon him really brought a teaching which broke barriers mm. of hatred and injustice to the point where nobody was actually dealt with any kind of injustice and this is what we're talking about here in fact talking about this we actually have something to listen to right now okay. this is exactly what I mean when the Prophet ﷺ spoke about rights for your enemies and those that you necessarily may not get along with. Let's take a look. Mm -hmm. Islam has even established the rights of a person's enemies and opponents, whereby chapter 2, verse 191 of the Holy Quran state, states that no injustice or transgression should be done against one's enemy even during a state of war. Regarding uh, regrettably, in today's world, which proudly boasts of being more civilized and advanced than any previous era, individuals and countries disregard the rights of their opponents as a matter of routine and perpetrate huge cruelties and waste no opportunity for revenge. In chapter 5, verse 9 of the Holy Quran, Allah the Almighty has proclaimed that the enmity of a nation or people should never incite a person to sacrifice the principles of justice and equity. Rather, Islam teaches that in all circumstances, no matter how challenging 
you must remain firmly attached to the principles of justice and integrity and never be motivated by a desire for vengeance. As a result of this magnificent teaching, we see the unparalleled example of grace, compassion, and mercy exhibited by the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessing of Allah be upon him. At the time of the victory of Makkah, history proves that Muslims were killed, plundered, and tortured in Mecca. And ultimately, they were driven out of their homes and had, no, uh, and had to migrate. Yet, when he returned uh, victoriously to Mecca and the entire city was under his command, his first pronouncement was that no revenge would be taken from those who had brutally persecuted the Muslims. He declared that in accordance with Islam's teachings, all those who had tormented the Muslims were to be instantly forgiven and that nobody would be treated unjustly, regardless of whether they accepted Islam or not. Another moral revolution in favor of the weakest members of society brought by Islam regarded slavery, which prior to Islam was rampant and considered a normal part of society. In chapter 24, verse 34, the Holy Quran states that if a slave seeks freedom, he should be released, and if certain fiscal dues are levied, they must be reasonable and payable in, 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 in small, easily manageable installments or be waived altogether. In today's world, physical slavery no longer exists, but it has been replaced by economic bondage and servitude, wherein the relationship between the most powerful nations on earth and weaker countries has become akin to the relationship of a master and a slave. For example, loans disguised as aid packages are given by rich countries to weaker nations who have no option but to accept whatever strings are attached. Invariably, the crippling levels of uh, interest mean that the short-term loans lead to long-term misery and liability. That was His Holiness Hazrat Mirza Masrur Ahmad, may Allah strengthen his hand, the fifth caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, talking about so many rights, especially of enemies, and mm. about how much this instills justice into society. Yeah, um, so I think we're going to have our first scholar of the day, uh, Farhan Iqbal, uh, the missionary uh, from Canada. Uh, Assalamu alaikum, peace be upon you, Farhan. Wa alaikum um, so welcome to uh, today's show. Uh, as you know, we are discussing about the um, uh, Islam, uh, which Islamic rights, which Islam, you know, uh, given to 
the people and the society. So with increasing conflicts worldwide, how does Islam contribute to addressing this issue? Uh, you know, and what role can it play in upholding universally agreed um, upon rights? You know, what is happening right now in in the world uh, conflicts, whether yeah. it's, it isn't happening in Gaza, uh, Palestine or anywhere in the world. Yeah, so um, you were playing a clip of Hazrat Khalifa Tumasi, the world head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. And in many addresses, in many sermons, uh, one uh, one thing that he has emphasized is the observance of absolute justice. Mm-hmm. So in the Holy Quran, we have in chapter 4, verse 136, it says, O ye who believe, be strict in observing justice and be witnesses for Allah, even though it be against yourselves or against parents and kindred. Mm-hmm. So the Quran emphasizes justice so much so that you should not let any kind of bias or personal desires or personal interests to not act uh, with justice. And so this is a core uh, belief in Islam. This is a core uh, injunction in Islam that we must all follow. And whether you are a Muslim or not a Muslim, you would agree that that is what we need in our world today, which is absolute justice. So the Islamic contribution to any conflict in the world is that we should observe justice, whether it is the current uh, Gaza uh, war or it is some any other conflict in the world. What is missing in many cases, in all cases, in fact, is justice, absolute justice. And if we can bring the world back to that core principle of justice, then all of these world conflicts would come to an end. Hmm. Okay. I mean, you based a lot of what you've said off of what His Holiness Hazim has said. He's a, a leader of an Islamic movement. But there are a lot of people that wouldn't even attribute the current status of human rights in the world to religion at all. Forget Islam, forget Christianity, forget anything. It's all about activism. It's activists who brought around the freedom of movement, the freedom of certain groups of people who were on the fringes, who were ethnic minorities. It's activism that did that. There are those who would also equally argue that not only is it activism that did that, but religion has really only been the culprit of warfare. Religion has been the culprit of division. What do you have to say to that? Right, so if, if you look at the core teachings of most religions, perhaps all religions, you would find that they preach peace. And, and you know, and, and, and we, are, we are Muslims, and we're talking from a Muslim perspective. A lot of times we are accused of... Uh, you know, spreading uh, hatred or causing conflict. But if you look at the core teachings in Islam, the word Islam means peace. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a hadith uh, of Prophet Muhammad wasallam where he said, a Muslim, by definition, is one who does not harm anyone by his tongue or his actions. So it's, it's a complete misconception to think that a Muslim would harm anyone. So if, if a Muslim, so-called Muslim, does harm someone, then they are going against the core teachings of Islam. Mm-hmm. So where does conflict come from? Conflict comes from political situations, um, snatching the rights of one another, or other reasons. Religion does not cause the conflict. Religion is always uh, trying to end conflict. And, and, you know, we have a golden principle mm-hmm. given by the founder of Islam, which is that a true Muslim should like for others what he likes for himself. 
Hmm. So if we follow this, and, and this is a golden principle, anyone can follow this. Hmm. And if we follow that, then uh, you know, all these conflicts uh, would come to an end. Yeah. Um, so uh, if we talk about the, you know, um, the relationship between human and, and their creator. So Islam, uh, you know, how does Islamic perspective on the relationship between humans and their creator guide us to the recognition and fulfillment of uh, of rights? Right, so when, when it comes to Islam, we have very many beautiful teachings on how humans um, should fulfill the rights of others. So if we, if we, if we open the Quran, the, ver- the first verse in the Quran says, in the name of Allah, the gracious, the merciful. Bismillah mm-hmm. rahman rahim in the name of Allah, the gracious, the merciful. Mm-hmm. And so as Muslims, we are being taught mm-hmm. from, from the get-go that we need to be gracious. We need to be merciful to others, just as Allah is merciful and gracious to us. So just as Allah is in our relationship to, to, to our Creator, He is gracious and merciful to us, mm-hmm. we should be gracious and merciful to others. And the second verse says that God is Rabbul Alameen. <laughs> Excuse me. Rabbul Alameen means He's the Lord. He's the provider for all the world. Right. And what are all these worlds? The worlds of different uh, people, of different ethnicities, different races, different whether people have, are of, of a certain religion, or even if they don't have any religion, God provides for them. And so mm-hmm. we're being taught that we should also treat others with the same kind of compassion and love as God has extended to us. That's right. And it can sometimes be a little bit easier said than done. I think we've, we were discussing this in the, in, in the, in the previous show as well. Um, when it does come to trying to emphasize these facets of unity, brotherhood uh, amongst people around you, and to kind of bring about relate, encouraging relationships, despite, let's say, if you have differences, despite that, despite any disagreements, how do you actually do that? How did the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him? actually practically show us how to do it right so um there are there are a number of um you know sayings that are attributed to prophet muhammad peace and blessings of god be upon him where he kept on encouraging so you know one of his uh, you know you can say uh, policies was to advise others constantly so he would say for instance there's one of these where it says where he says that if people don't say that if people treat us well, we will treat them well. And if they do wrong, we will do wrong. Mm-hmm. Instead, accustom yourselves to do, to do good if people do good and do not behave <coughs> unjustly if they do evil. Mm-hmm. Similarly, there's another hadith which says, do not hate one another, do not envy one another, do not desert one another. You're all servants of Allah, you should all live like brothers. It is not allowed for a Muslim to keep apart from his brother for more than three days. Mm-hmm. So, so you know, these kinds of teachings, he was constantly, um, you know, um, giving these te- teachings, these sermons, these discussions. You know, he was trying to teach his companions that we should be spreading love and not hate. We should live along with one another, uh, you know, w- with love and compassion and sympathy for one another instead of, uh, you know, trying to harm others. Right. So that's one way he did it, and there, there are many other things he did as well, yeah. Right, so um, we see that you know violations of uh, rights are being observed globally uh, in both in East and West. So, in what ways uh, can the Islamic perspective on human rights contribute to the prevention of these violations, and how can the principle outlined 
in Islam foster a more just and equitable world for all individuals. Right, so th- there is that verse that I quoted earlier about justice. There's a similar verse in chapter uh, 5, mm-hmm. verse 9, where God says, Be steadfast in the cause of Allah, bearing witness in equity. Right. And then God says, Let not a people's enmity incite you to act otherwise than with justice. Be mm-hmm. always just mm-hmm. that is nearer to righteousness. So it goes back to the principle of justice and, and not letting, you know, if you're angry with someone or if you if one country is angry with another, they start, you know, indiscriminately bombing that country or indiscriminately mm-hmm. killing that country. They, they need to be just. They need to adhere to the principles of justice. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, there's another verse of the Holy Quran which talks about how God has created all of us from a male and a you know single male and a single female, mm-hmm. so we are all like one big family. So this is in chapter forty-nine, verse fourteen, mm-hmm. and God says, "We made you into sub-tribes that you may recognize one another." So that your differences are not meant for hatred. Your differences are so that you can be in these different groups and you can recognize one another and you can recognize the diversity that God has created. And God then says, "The most honorable among you in the sight of Allah." is he who is most righteous among you. So righteousness, God consciousness, mm-hmm. taking care of others, all these uh, elements make someone more honorable uh, instead of what race one belongs to, or what ethnicity one, a person belongs to, or what family one, a person comes, comes from. Those things are mm-hmm. not going to make us honorable. What is going to make us honorable is our righteousness. I mean, there's a lot that you said there, which in terms of is what the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, has said. Uh, what about what some of the things that he may have practiced and even done practically in his life as well? Because there's so many mm-hmm. o- o- examples of that, I assume, as well. So what are some of right. the prime examples of the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, where he actually personified all of this? Right, so, so I'll give you a simple example. Um, his kindness to children, for instance. So there's a, there's a narration about him where he says that I stand in prayer, you know, Salat, prayer, and I, I wish to prolong it. However, I hear the crying of a baby, and I shorten the prayer, mm-hmm. being mindful of the kind of anxiety that the mother might have for the child, right? So it's, just, it's a very small example, but I think at the same time it's a very big example of mm-hmm. how the Prophet would be so concerned that he would, you know, shorten the prayer if a baby is crying, just to, you know, give convenience to to the mother and the child. Mm-hmm. Um, similarly, there's another there's an, uh, another narration where he says, "The best among you is the one who is best in treatment of his family, and I am the best among you in treatment of my family mm-hmm. or my wife, mm-hmm. uh, my wives." And 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 the point is that you know, look at my example. How do I treat my wives? And and you know, try to follow that because. This is what is the core teaching in Islam, and you know. And so he was trying to tell us that that, uh, or he was not just trying to, but he was actually demonstrating with his example that uh, this is how you need to treat your uh, your family, and 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 look at how I am treating my family. And you know, we have narrations from his wives where he would, uh, you know, whenever he needed something, he would get it himself. Mm-hmm. Whenever he, the house needed cleaning, he would clean it himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, he would help out in household chores. He had a, he had a, a, a you know, one companion, Hazrat Anas, radiallahu anhu, may God be pleased with him, who mm-hmm. served for, you know, uh, from a very young age. And he says 
that the prophet never said, oof, you know, a minor harsh word mm. or impatience mm-hmm. to me. And he says that he never blamed me by saying, why did you do this? Or why did you not do this? So in the entire 10 years, he was never scolded for anything mm-hmm. that he did or he forgot to do or whatever. So it's, it's just, it shows you the Im- amazing example of Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, of how he treated those who were so close to him. Mm-hmm. And we need to follow that example so that we can show the same kind of kindness to those people who are, you know, who are close to us, right, and, and who are loved by us. Absolutely. Farhan Iqbal, Imam Farhan Iqbal, thank you very much for coming on to the Drive Time mm-hmm. Show to expand upon the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him's actual practical example of how mm-hmm. he was giving rights right. to society and very generous and kind to them as well. We hope to have you on sometime soon. Thank you very much and peace be upon you. Yes, thank you. Thank you for having me. That was Imam Farhan Iqbal, who is a imam mm-hmm. and missionary of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community serving in Canada. Mm-hmm. So here we have it. We have some practical examples of the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, when it comes to actually implementing the talking, walking the walk, basically, yeah. of giving your rights and also actually being kind and generous to people. Mm. And here we have actually another example of that from the rights of your neighbours. Let's take a look at that right now. In the aforementioned verse of the Holy Quran, special mention is made to fulfilling the rights of one's neighbours, whether they are Muslims or non-Muslims. And it defines the scope of neighbours to be extremely wide. Furthermore, the Prophet of Islam, peace and blessing of Allah be upon him, said that God Almighty had emphasized the rights of neighbors so strongly that he came to think neighbors would be included amongst a person's rightful heirs. The founder of Islam, peace and blessing of Allah be upon him, upon him also taught that a person who is not grateful to the fellow human beings cannot be grateful to Allah, the Almighty. What a beautiful principle. Thus, it is necessary uh, that alongside the worship of God, a Muslim must fulfill the rights of humanity. Again, I would ask, how can such a teaching be a threat to Western civilization? Hence, in my view, it is counterproductive for Western people to suggest that Islam or Muslims have no place in this part of the world. If Muslims come here seeking to integrate, to fulfill the rights of neighbors and striving for the peace and betterment of society, then surely this is something to praise rather than to condemn or castigate. That was His Holiness Hazrat Mirza Masur Ahmed, the worldwide head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. Quite profound. Yeah, he was explaining the rights uh, of the neighbours. And also, um, as we are talking about the rights uh, in Islam, so I just want to quickly talk about the rights of uh, Sikh people. Um, Islam also established rights that, uh, um, as, you know, Islam also established rights that we as individuals and as a society owe to the Sikh uh, people. So fasting in the month of Ramadan is a compulsory aspect of Islam. However, those who are Sikh have been given you know, uh, respite and are allowed to make up misfast at a later time only if they get better. 
So this right was given by God Almighty in the Holy Quran to the ill. The Holy Prophet ﷺ, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, also said that when a sick person among you desires something, give it to him. So he demonstrated this right himself by providing bread to a sick person that he visited. Uh, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, also advised that um, what a visit to a patient should ent- entail. So he said, a wholesome and complete visit of a sick person is that you place your hand on his forehead or on his hand and ask him how he is. So belief in God is a motivation for believer to persist in good deeds. The Holy Prophet said that whoever visits the sick, a caller calls out from heaven saying, you are most excellent and so is your conduct and you have built and abode in paradise for yourself. The promised Messiah, um, peace be upon him, exemplified these teachings. He said, One, Once many rural women came to have their children uh, assessed. Uh, in the meantime, some women also come out from inside to get some syrup. At that time, the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, had to write a very important article for religious deeds, and he had to write it urgently. So the promised Messiah, the, the founder of the Ambi Muslim community, um, explained that this too is a similar religious duty. So these are the rights which Islam, you know, uh, says that one is owed to, you know, uh, ill people and poor people. And uh, I have found this this saying of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah, very beautiful that a wholesome and complete visit of a sick person is that you place your hand on his forehead or on his hand and ask him how he is he. And he also said that, you know, as I uh, said that uh, if, uh, you know, a sick person or ill person uh, wants to, he has some desire of, uh, if he wants to eat something specifically, then give it to him. So these are the rights of the uh, poor people, uh, um, ill people, which Islam describes. We can see actually that when the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, came with his message for, for of Islam. Mm-hmm. He didn't immediately approach the people of authority yeah. or the people of affluence mm-hmm. or the people of influence. Mm-hmm. He actually approached the people that in most people's eyes didn't even matter. Mm-hmm. Not at all. And it's kind of, if, if you want to kind of figure out what I mean by this, it's mm-hmm. like this. In today's age, maybe you, you start up a business or you start up a social media account. And rather than going to network with people who are going to make your business thrive or people who are going to get you the kind of coverage that you need to gain followers on, on social media, mm-hmm. big big accounts, big people, people with big money, you end up going to people who don't even have social media accounts, mm-hmm. who don't even have businesses, mm-hmm. and you say to them, well, I'm a new business. I really should be looking for help, but let me see if I can help you first. Mm-hmm. That's what he did. Yeah. I mean, how the heck is that going to give you anything in return? Like, is it going to make you blow up and go viral? Probably, we don't know. Mm-hmm. But you're doing it because it's the right thing. And the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, did that. Mm-hmm. He at first approached slaves. He approached women. And I say that in the sense that women at that time were equally submit, mm-hmm. submit, submitted to many kinds of slavery. Mm-hmm. And he approached the people who were non-affluent, people mm-hmm. who were living in poverty. All of these people, who obviously were not going to get him a spot in, if there was a parliament there, they, wouldn't, well, they weren't going to get him there. <laughs> so it wasn't even about that. Yeah. His concern was 
what you've said, you know, that he loved Allah and his creation. Mm-hmm. And he was so concerned with getting them the rights that mm-hmm. Allah has decreed for them. Mm-hmm. These are the rights that Allah has said you you deserve. This is what you must get. Yeah. And then what happened, whether it was expected or, or unexpected, is that that began to then get the attention of so many like-minded people mm-hmm. who either were going through that or they related to that sentiment mm. of humanity. Yeah. And that's where Islam came from. Definitely. It wasn't crazy networking with these really, really big influencers mm-hmm. and big sheikhs and big scholars that got us, got Islam to where it was. It wasn't even like that. In fact, until Hazrat Umar became a Muslim, which wasn't a little bit later on, mm-hmm. they, they really were so weak in, in the sense of the word that they were afraid to even publicly pray at times because they were like, who's going to defend us? Yeah. Who's going to vouch for our safety? There wasn't that many people around. Mm-hmm. So it was a very slow actually shift towards influential people joining. Mm-hmm. And perhaps this is because, and, and you know, this is truth, for those mm-hmm. people who were afflu- already in, in, you know, they're wealthy, they mm-hmm. were they well off, what did, they, what did they want? What was Islam giving them? You know, necessarily... Not much in, yeah. the, in what they might have seen, superficially speaking. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. In, I'm not a slave. Mm-hmm. I'm not suppressed. I'm not oppressed. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to get freed. I'm already free. Why do? Why should I care? Mm-hmm. Obviously, there were a few people that saw past that. They yeah. saw that this is more about spirituality. This is more about worship. Finding mm-hmm. up. But the people who didn't see past that actually mm-hmm. saw Islam as an enemy because they said, if Islam isn't freeing me, mm-hmm. and Islam isn't giving me wealth or status. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm then the only thing it must be doing mm-hmm. is taking away status from me, yeah. taking away freedom from me because I no longer am going to have the slaves that I used to have. Mm-hmm. I no longer am going to have the authority I used to have over certain people of color. Mm-hmm. I don't want this. I don't want to lose all of this. So therefore, mm-hmm. I'm not going to let Islam prevail. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to allow Islam to prosper yeah. because my rights, which are obviously privileged wrong rights, are going to go. Mm-hmm. So of course, the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, chose to fight for the rights of those who were on the lower pay scale. Yeah. Not for those people who already had the rights and much more than what they should have. Definitely, I think this is the one of the you know one of the truthfulness of Islam as well. That Islam started by, you know, uh, or you know, Islam in the beginning of Islam, the, the people people who accepted Islam was was orphan, and uh, was a slave, and you know, uh, it was not affluent people of the society. And uh, when we look towards the life of the Holy Prophet Sallallahu um, we also have, uh, you know, um, uh, see that he was himself an orphan. But I think before going to that, uh, we do have a caller, uh, next caller. Yes, indeed. We have actually with us Imam Usman Ali Anjum, who is a imam and missionary serving for the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. Assalamu alaikum. Peace be upon you. How are you doing? Assalamu alaikum. Well, how are you? Thank you. Very good. Thank you very much. So, yeah, of course, we are discussing uh, <coughs> the rights that Islam has presented to people all around the world now, it being an international global movement. And we are discussing the fact that it actually already began with mm-hmm. the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, siding with those people who needed their rights the most. So with that said, what are some of those fundamental rights that Islam has granted to, for example, children and others who are pre- preliminarily seen as quite weak and uh, nuanced, emphasizing their protection, education, and overall well-being. So in terms of the rights of children, Islam has laid great emphasis. We see many examples in the Holy Quran and in the life of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him himself. Um, but just in general, the main, of course, the main rights or uh, which need to be granted are 
of their protection, education, moral training, and just overall well-being. Um, it's the responsibility of the parents to develop the child um, in all these aspects. Um, and for, and it starts from a very young age, and it, and it slowly progresses. For example, from the say, age of 7 to 10, they are then uh, taught that they should start um, uh, reading the... Reading the Quran, um, and then they should uh, become regular in their prayers. Um, and on top of that, um, if you move on, uh, in terms of how Islam brought a change in uh, in the rights of uh, in the, in the sorry in the upbringing of kids uh, in children, it would be that if we look at the time of the Holy Prophet peace be upon him, uh, there was a very negative attitude in some tribes towards the birth of of, um, of female girls, and it's mentioned in the Quran where. Uh, it says that, and when to one of them is conveyed the tidings of the birth of a female, his face darkens while he suppresses his inward grief. He hides himself from the people because of the bad news he had he has had. Shall he keep it in spite of dis- disgrace or bury it in the dust? Verily, evil is that which they judge. And that's in Surah Nahl, ch- uh, chapter 16, verse 59 and 60. And the whole Holy Prophet, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, peace be upon him. This is one of the cruel customs that he actually abolished. Um, and then, for example, the injunction of the Holy Quran where it says, slay not your children. This hints at the truth that if you ignore the inculcation of good moral qualities among your children and neglect their educational equipment, you're literally virtually committing their murder. Uh, the Holy Prophet went further and he also instructed that parents should not hurt the feelings of their children. They should be kind to them. They should openly discuss with them those matters which are important. And this would enable them to develop uh, feelings of dignity, self-respect, and higher moral qualities. Uh, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, has also emphasized that parents should educate, educate their kids in the best possible manner and develop in them their respect for elders. The Promised Messiah uh, 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 himself went as far as saying that he, he thinks that if, if a kid is hit, if a child is hit, then it's akin to the parent committing shit. That through his violence, he's able to uh, teach the, uh, he's a, that they're taking, assuming the role of God, uh, God forbid, and that is shaked because they're thinking that them hitting the child will actually be able to guide the child, whereas it's God that will guide and, and actually bless the child. Um, and the Prophet himself, he trusted his children, encouraging him to never do anything that was wrong. For, for instance, there's this uh, um, incident where uh, one of uh, the Prophet the disciples was peeling almonds and uh, he was about four or five years old at the time. He came in and took all the almonds. The Prophet watching this, he said, he's such a good child, he will not take a lot. He will only take one or two and put the rest back. And the child actually complied immediately and left with only one or two almonds. Thus showing that if you trust in your kids, then it will actually enable them to inculcate higher moral uh, qualities in, uh, from a young age into their own character. Um, on top of that, mm-hmm. the Holy Prophet has said that a man is like a shepherd for his family and is responsible for them. Uh-huh. Um, and in that also would come equality. So all the children are to be um, treated equally. There's, a, there's a, actually a, 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 an incident where a companion by the name of Bashir approached the Holy Prophet along with his son Numan. He said, will you be my witness that I've given one of my servants as a gift to this son of mine? And the Holy Prophet was like, have you given a similar gift to your other sons? Mm-hmm. And he said, no. And he said, I cannot be a witness to such an uh, uh, unjust act. Showing again that you should be, one uh, right of children is that you should be treated equally. Right. Not that one is given more than the other. 
And that also applies in terms of um, the rights of inheritance, for example, mm-hmm. where before in Islam we saw that people, they would give the rights only to the older son and not mm-hmm. to their daughters or not to the other sons, where Islam came and actually extinguished this um, misconception as well. Right. On top of that, there's another thing where maybe people saw it as a weakness that loving their children is it maybe is a sign of weakness or is not something that should be done. Mm-hmm. And we see the, um, the Holy Prophet, if you look at his example, he used to, he would carry his grandkids on his back. He, he would, um, any time he saw a, a, um, anything, um, for example, if, if there's a prayer being led and he's hearing a kid cry, he'd shorten the prayer so right. that the mother doesn't go through the anguish. And another thing is, um, for example, I have another thing here, which is um, there, was a bed, uh, there was a Bedouin who came and he saw that the, uh, the Holy Prophet had kissed a, a, a child and he said, Oh, I've never killed my, uh, kissed my child. And mm-hmm. the Holy Prophet, he, he said, if God has taken uh, you know, mercy out of your heart, then what can I do about it? It was a very strong right. and effective. Uh-huh. Um, and yep. I think one more aspect mm-hmm. is more the educational side, where it's been made obligatory upon every Muslim, whether male or female, that they should uh, educate their children. Um, and it says that no gift, this is a, a, a narration, that no mm-hmm. gift among... All the gifts of a father to his child is better than education. Beautiful. And just mm. lastly, I would just like to add that another main thing, which is Prophet emphasized as well, is that you need to pray for your children. Mm. The Prophet himself says that my own condition is such that there is not a single prayer of mine in which I do not pray for my friends, children, and wife. Right. Prophet says if a person states that he longs for a virtuous and pious progeny, which shall serve faith, however... This will merely be a claim unless he makes an effort to improve his own condition. Mm-hmm. Beautifully, um, you, uh, I think yeah. you beautifully explained the uh, Islam, uh, the rights of the children which Islam gave, uh, whether it's regards to education mm-hmm. or whether it's regards to treating them equally or anything else. So let's talk about uh, how does Islam addresses the rights of elderly people, ensuring their dignity, care, and respect within the community. So I think this is something where we need to understand the actual importance of why the, the rights, why elderly need to be given rights. And mm. as Muslims, or the, one of the things which would persuade us or make us understand how important this, this topic is, is that if we look at one of the hadiths, which is one who has no compassion for our young ones and does not recognize the rights of our, of, of our elders is not of us. So recognizing the rights of elders is a key component in the eyes of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, for Muslims. And then in another narration, he says, for example, if a young man honors an elderly on account of his age, Allah appoints someone to honor him Mm -hmm. in his old age. Mm -hmm. The Prophet also ordered Muslims to start with the elderly when, for example, serving a drink. Um, And then if we look at the life of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, we see many examples. One example is of the lady who would throw rubbish Mm-hmm. Um, at the Holy Prophet and when he noticed that she hadn't done so for a couple of days he inquired about her and found out she was sick mm-hmm. when he found out she was sick rather than you know having any malice or anything like that he actually went and helped her and, and, and looked after her and this had such a profound effect, or, uh, effect on her that she actually uh, embraced Islam mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then if we look at the story of her, uh, Abu Bakr and the old woman uh, quite a famous story as well is that when he became a caliph. Her Umar used to see him going in a direction different from his house. And then one day he started to follow him. And he saw that he was visiting a house. He spent some time. 
and then when the sun would, would rise, he would just leave the house. He, mm-hmm. he has Umar then actually went to inspect the matter. He knocked on the door, and an old lady opened the door. She was very frail, and she was actually old and blind as well. Mm-hmm. And he asked her, uh, who is that visitor coming to you every day? She said, I don't know who he is. May Allah reward him. He cleans my house, swaps my clothes, and maybe he would cook some, uh, some food for breakfast. Then he leaves. But Umar said, does he do this every day? She said, yes, every day. Mm-hmm. May Allah bless this man. And then, um, do you know, uh, then has Umar then told her that this is actually the caliph. And it shows that he's the caliph and he's showing such humility and just showing the importance here as well that despite all his other um, engagements, he's taking the time out mm-hmm. to actually serve the elderly. Right. Um, and then moving on for another narration of the Pro- uh, Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, he says, a rider should greet a pedestrian, a pedestrian should greet one who's sitting, and a small group should uh, gr- uh, greet a large group, and uh, another in another ration it says that the youngest should greet the elders. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in another um, narration, this is all of incident, which I found quite nice as well, I would like to share that as well, mm-hmm. is when um, the Prophet of, of God, when he was serving something to drink um, to, to a child, he, um, he said to the boy, may I give this to the elderly people first? Mm. So there again, it's showing that the elderly have a respect and uh, a sort of status, which oftentimes is maybe ignored nowadays. Right. And if we take elderly to be our parents, for example, then even we find in the Quran that, you know, God has commanded, worship none but him mm-hmm. and show kindness to parents. Mm-hmm. If one of them or both of them attain old age with thee, never say unto them any word expressive of disgust, nor reproach them, but always address them with excellent speech mm. and lower to them the wing of humility out of tenderness and say, my Lord has mercy on them, even as they nourish me when I was a little child. And that's mm. in chapter 17, verse 24, 25. Mm. And these verses are again showing that human beings, um, are again, uh, after the unity of God, uh, the main thing, or the, the you know, the, it actually emphasizes that after you worship, the next level, the next uh, people that are worth, uh, of your, worthy of your love, respect, and service are your parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they have given, been given priority over everyone. And also, these verses actually show that, you know, as parents get older, if they, if they, uh, if they do things which, you know, cause someone, uh, the child disgust or disapproval, or maybe it's something, uh, you know, they, they become difficult to deal with, then it's something the child is, should put up with. And in another verse, it said that it shouldn't even say oof to the parents. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, th- this is the thing where it's not limited just to our parents. It's actually to Keith ke- and Kin as well, so all our relatives. Mm-hmm. And even if we take, for example, the te- so they also all the teachings sort of collate. So if we look at, for example, the the the, the teaching of of neighbors, the rights of neighbors that you know in some generations forty houses, hundred houses. If you look at the rights of just neighbors, for example, if your neighbor and, and if there's a neighbor who doesn't actually have uh, the support of, let's say, a family, or he's alone, or, or you know, doesn't some people are, sometimes the family passes away, for, mm. uh, or they're not able to help. Then mm. the neighbor should help. So Islam creates a society where you have your, uh, you have those, uh, for example, that should do it in the first place. For example, your kids, your relatives, and everything. But after that, it also sort of creating a backup level where if they're not there, then it's our job and our our role to do it. And Perfect. it's something where we see nowadays. Mm. 
Yeah, it's yes. not. Uh, that, uh, yeah. Sorry, Imam Usman. Um, I think you beautifully explained uh, the you know rights yeah. which Islam gives to different parts of the society. Uh, when we look towards these, towards the light, uh, life of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, he was an orphan himself. Uh, so, could you tell yeah. us uh, the you know uh, what are the specific rights which Islam gives to orphans, and how are are these rights you know safeguarded to provide them with support and compassion? Yeah, of course. Um, in terms of the Holy Prophet, uh, peace be upon him, as you said, he went off and his father passed away a couple of months prior to his birth. Um, in the Quran, God Almighty says actually uh, that they ask you concerning the orphans, say, promotion of their welfare is an act of great goodness. And if you intermix with them, they are your brethren. And Allah knows the mischief maker from the reformer. And that's in Surah uh, Baqarah, which is chapter 2, verse 221. And again, the best example the role model of the quran in action was our holy prophet um peace be upon him and he said i am the one who looks after the needs of an orphan and brings him or her up in the best possible manner will be together in heaven like two fingers of a hand and he raises forefinger and middle finger as a way of illustration and the holy prophet has also said the best muslim home is that in which an orphan is treated with kindness and the worst is that in which an orphan is treated unkindly. Again, stressing greatly on the, on, on the importance of looking after orphans. The bringing mm-hmm. up on orphans is actually a very delicate topic and actually quite important. Islam lays great emphasis on the care of orphans. Uh, they should be treated as, a mem- treated as members of the family. And it is the responsibility of whoever the guardian is to provide for the orf- orphans uh, a good education, uh, look after their property until they're old enough mm-hmm. for them to use it themselves, not to just usurp the property and make their own personal gains. Um, and mm-hmm. we see, uh, for example, even another um, common practice that the Holy Prophet, again, because we have to realize that this is at a time where these things were, 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 were not found. Maybe now today we see, uh, you know, maybe there's these good, um, that you might think, yeah, this is what happens in other places as well. But uh, if we actually analyze that time, we see that at that time, these things were profound and these things, went, these things were, were something completely new to the people. It was, it was something which brought great change to the people. Hmm. Um, even, uh, and there was even costumes that the uh, Prophet uh, of Islam uh, had eradicated. For example, the adopted son was considered as the real, uh, a real son before. He was entitled to all the liberties like a real son while the other relatives were ignored and their rights were neglected. So Islam drew the line between blood relations and their adopted children and gave them proper rights, what they deserved, and sorted out and sort of, um, I would say, approached these issues and sorted out these problems in society and gave us a way of living, which would be a peaceful way. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, uh, uh, Imam Osman Ali Anjum, for giving us the insight uh, of uh, of the rights which Islam gives to different parts of the society, whether it's regards to the children's rights or elderly people or orphan. Thank you so much for your time. That was Isman Ali Anjum, who was serving as the Imam of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. I think we just learned a lot, mm-hmm. quite a lot. That was quite a lot of information <laughs> to digest Definitely. Uh, about the various kinds of ethics and rights that Islam has placed on on uh, on us, I think for a lot of Muslims, they might actually even not, people who are maybe looking into Islam might sound a bit daunting. Mm-hmm. So much to do. Um, 
can, can is it even doable <laughs> what would you say to that i mean uh, definitely it, it is so much uh, you know islam goes into so much minute details um, uh, for example uh, you know the uh, when we are talking about the rights of the you know uh, children so uh, I, i really found this incident uh, you know uh, uh, touching uh, that when the holy prophet sallallahu was kissing in one of his uh, uh, you know uh, grandchildren and some bedouin came and and uh, are you you know make <laughs> are you are you you know uh, showing compassion towards your uh, grandchildren and he would say that uh, what can i do if you, god does not put mercy in your heart so that was the condition when islam uh, came but yeah. the holy prophet peace and blessings of allah be upon him really taught them that how we yeah. one should be giving uh, the discharging his duty yeah. towards god and you're right and that was the condition is is the key point because hmm. if i said to you now in the 21st century hmm. that, hey there's a movement that's that's advocating for you to be kind to your kids hmm. like just be like hey like let's not kill them <laughs> you'd be like what are you what are you talking about that's just insane anyway nobody would do that mm-hmm. in in that time people buried their daughters alive yeah and so that was where we were starting mm-hmm. and to even go from there mm-hmm. and get someone to the point where they where they're almost okay with hey let's kiss our kids every now and then <laughs> <laughs> it's like a huge leap yeah of yeah, activism definitely that it requires so much mm. uh time dedication patience perseverance to actually get done definitely and um, this is uh what islam came for and uh, uh this is how you know we can have a good connection with allah the almighty that if we uh not only discharge our duty towards our creator but also towards the creation of god almighty and that is what the holy quran say that uh, and bible also you know say that uh, i have created uh, the man uh, in in my image that you know um, you can have a connection with allah the almighty when um, you become merciful and when you show compassion and uh, when you have do sacrifice for other people that's how you can you know really uh, become the beloved of allah the almighty well, that's a lot to learn today a lot to digest okay. today and i hope we're going to take that home with us every single one of us fortunately that is not almost the end of the show mm-hmm. and of course remember this is a drive time show we are live 4 to 6 pm every single weekday you're welcome to contribute as well and we'll be back next time as well inshallah tomorrow until then assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah and peace be upon you